Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back at it, John Chuckery Show. Halfway home on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. We'll get to a uh, That's Life coming up here in about 20 minutes. So we now know that Mike Bobo is the new OC for the Georgia Bulldogs as Todd Munkin is headed toward the Baltimore Ravens, whether or not they're going to have their quarterback. I mean, they're going to franchise tag him. So either he'll stay or they'll trade him and, you know, he may have to, you know, rebuild around a a new quarterback. But, you know, Mike Bobo was one of those polarizing figures and you heard Brandon Adams talk a little bit about this in the interview that we that we replayed. He was one of those polarizing figures because, you know, when he was here with Georgia, and when he was uh, uh, when when Mark Richt was hired, he he was the quarterbacks coach, and then in 07, he was promoted to offensive coordinator, and he held that position through the 2014 season. Um, what 2014 he was named. Excuse me, the uh, the new Colorado State head coach at that time, but he was a polarizing figure because it just never seemed like his offense was one of the elite offenses of college football. Right now, look, you know, coaches go through all of these evolutions with their offense and modernizing it and things like that. Right? I mean, Nick Saban had the same thing. Until Nick Saban went and got Lane Kiffin, you know, his offense didn't become explosive that way. You know, the the big downfield threat, wide receivers, and it's kind of funny to see a Nick Saban team that, you know, had two uh, Mac Jones and four first-round wide receivers. It just wasn't his style in the past. But, you know, obviously you evolve in different things like that. And it was the same way when Bobo was the offensive coordinator here. Here's here's Bobo's offensive point totals and national rankings. First year, 32-6, they were 34th. 31-5, they were 29th. 28-9, they were 51st. 32-1, they were 30th. 32, they were 33rd. 37-8, they were 19th in the country. His second last year, they were 36-7, 21st in the country. And then in his final year, they were 41.38th in the country in that 2014 season, and that propelled him to getting the Colorado State job. So, you know, it was certainly better at the end of his tenure 
than it was before earlier in his tenure. You certainly got to give him some credit for helping develop quarterbacks, Matt Stafford, Aaron Murray, David Green. You know, he was here for all of those guys and not saying that he was directly responsible. Mark Richt is certainly a very offensive-minded coach. What, Mark Richt was, I think he was the OC for two uh, two Heisman Trophy winners, right? For Charlie Ward and for Chris Wakey. He was the OC at, at Florida State. So, obviously, you have to give some credit to Mark Rick for the development of those guys. But now we're in a different era of Georgia football. You know, and now that they've, it's not even so much that they've won two national titles in back-to-back years, but just the development of what the offensive identity for this team is. They still recruit at an incredibly high level, still have an outstanding offensive line. They're getting top-flight quarterback recruits. And obviously, look, Stetson Bennett may not have been the big-time quarterback recruit, but he developed into you know one of the greatest players in the history of Georgia. I definitely think with where this program is at from a recruiting standpoint and a sexiness to play for Georgia and and the fact that Todd Munkin, you know, I I said this earlier, and I think I said this on one of my first shows back was when Todd Munkin was flirting with the idea of going back to the NFL and he was interviewing for the Buccaneers job that Georgia, if they were looking for another offensive coordinator, wouldn't have to pick up the phone they would have been getting people to call them. Because when you're at the top of the food chain and at the top of the mountain, programs come calling for you, and not only that, but you go and steal somebody's coordinator. Well, Alabama didn't steal. Okay, Ohio State did. Ohio State stole the Broyles Award winner on the defensive side of the football from two years ago in Jim Knowles. They went and got the top defensive coordinator in the country at that time. They went and stole him and and plucked him from Oklahoma State and said, you're coming up to Ohio State. That's what the best programs do. So I I know Alabama and all that, but, you know, again, I can point you right to Ohio State. They they had the award winner. And, And the fact of, you know, Miami went and got, you know, the offense coordinator from Michigan that got fired after a year. You know, Gaddis, but, you know, Georgia wouldn't have had to look very hard because this is the top-tier program. And great players want to play here for Georgia. And when you get great players, you know you're going to get some great coaches. Now, here's the thing I'm curious about. This is the one thing that I am very curious about is now Kirby Smart is loading up with assistants that are friends of his. Mike Bobo, Will Muschamp. If things go wrong and this program, for whatever reason, has a hiccup for a year or two, is Kirby Smart willing to move on from a couple of his friends? And I know we can say that, you know, what's his name? Glenn Schumann or Glenn Schulman is the is the the DC for them. But you know, certainly. Muschamp, I think, was Muschamp not elevated to co-DC? See if, see if Will Muschamp was elevated. I know it, I know his first year here, he was a consultant that was making like $800,000 a year to be a consultant for the University of Georgia. 
But I think this year he was like the co-DC or something like that, right? Yeah. So he was so he went into this season as the co-DC. So he got a so you know, even after Dan Lanning left to go to Oregon and all that, he became the co-defensive coordinator. And he's Kirby's buddy. I I I don't know if they were teammates or not, but but he's certainly his friend. And Mike Bobo is Kirby's friend as well. So that's the only thing I wonder about if things go sideways. And look, there's no real reason that things should go sideways for the University of Georgia. They still have a top-flight recruiting class. They still return plenty of guys. They're still getting all the best players. Like, there's no reason for the Georgia program to take any real step back. Yeah, maybe they finish third in the country instead of first in the country. Maybe they finish with one loss during the season instead of being undefeated 15-0. and 0. Maybe they maybe they take that step all the way back. But I think Mike, I think Mike Bobo, you know, would say even himself that, you know, he's a different coach now than his first go around. And look, he's had a couple of stops in the SEC. You know, he was the uh, offensive coordinator for Auburn a couple of seasons ago. Remember when they brought in that all-star staff of what was it, Derek Mason and Mike Bobo to to run things for for uh, Brian Harson? You know, it didn't go very well. But I do think that he will be a different kind of coordinator from his first in here. But it's a matter of I don't think Kirby will let anybody mess this thing up. There's there's nothing about Kirby Smart that says that he's going to just turn over all the reins and. He's going to let everybody else run things and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, he's not the, you know, Bobby Bowden for a long time was sort of like just the CEO, right? He'd show up at the end of practice or go up in the tower, right? And Chuck Amato and Mark Richt and those guys were the real coaches, you know, coaching their units and things on the field. Kirby Smart's not in that mindset right now. Kirby Smart's not in that mindset. But I do wonder, though, that, if you have to pull the trigger on firing one of your friends, is he willing to do that? And that may be more on the offensive side of the football than the defensive side because Kirby certainly is hands-on with the defense, and he certainly, you know, obviously a you know was a top-flight defensive coordinator himself. But Georgia will be fine. You know, I Georgia may not be as you know prolific, whatever. I think. Were they 40 points a game this year? Let me see what their what their actual points uh, per game was that they that they finished at. Um, I think they were really close to 40 in their final year. So yeah, they were 40. They were 41.1 points per game, which is actually basically the same exact average 41.3 that Mike Bobo averaged his final year at Georgia. They had the eighth highest scoring offense in the in the country. Georgia just this past season had the fifth highest scoring offense in the country. So Georgia's in good shape. Georgia's not going to take a big step back. Munkin certainly is a really important piece to why they've had their success. But I think now that that stability is afoot and they have, they are at the top of the mountain. They have the back-to-back natties. They are the premier program in the country. They're getting the best recruiting in the country. You know, it's certainly even 
it's certainly even in a different place than just from when Kirby took over the program. So I think my Bobo will be fine. I still think that they'll be, you know, right around a 40-point-per-game offense, and they won't really take kind of any real steps backward. And certainly this team now is built upon the idea of, you know, Kirby Smart and that defense because the defense is, you know, the, look, you only have to score 25 a game because you still win by two touchdowns when your defense is only giving up 10, 11 points a game. All right, when we come back, we'll be time for That's Life. I got to have another intervention with Dylon. We'll talk about all that next, plus our top 10. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 921 live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of of the show. Odyssey apps, how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews as we do rank him coming up tonight at 1040. So an hour and 20 minutes from right now, we'll get rank him. Get us your list on the text line or on my Twitter page. Um, Dylon. Yes? Did you ever, well, we'll get to your intervention here in just a second. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Of course. Okay. Life's like a box of chocolates. You okay. never know what well, you're going to get. Bop, oh, bop, sorry. Bop, bop. The box of chocolates. Yes. Okay. So Ripley's Believe It or Not. Have you ever heard of Ripley's Believe It or Not? I've been there. Okay. Yeah. So they purchased the actual prop box of candy that was used in that scene from Forrest Gump. That's iconic. Now, how much do you think they spent on it? They at least had to spend a million? No, 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 no. Not that much? No, no. Okay, just for a box. It's not even. Okay, um, $10,000. Now, the box box was empty. Right. It's an empty box. It was signed by Tom Hanks. He signed the top of the box. It's a rough Russell Stover candies box called the gift box. Tom Hanks signed it, but they bought it for $25,000 for the for the actual prop box that they used in that scene. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I I guess Ripley's is going to display it. I mean, yeah. that's that's they display everything. Have you you been there before? There. I'm guessing, right? Well, uh, yeah. There's a lot of them. There's yeah, the there's a lot of yeah. them. Yeah, like I went to the one that was right by the Alamo. Oh like, really? Yeah, that was. I mean, right in San Antonio. There's there's one right across the street from the Alamo. I went to that one. I've been to like Myrtle Beach and. I think I went to the one. Is there one in? It was either North Carolina or or maybe it was Chattanooga. I can't remember. Uh, I. Don't think there's one in Chattanooga because I would have probably been to it by now. Yeah, I forget but, where the one I went to is, but I, w- I went to one for sure. Me, but, me and Simone. Went. Yeah, but they are they are all over the country. Yeah. So, all right, 
Speaking of Simone, <laughs> so Sunday. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was Super Bowl Sunday, right? This past Sunday. Right. And you were on after the game. Right. Okay. Now, your girlfriend is Simone. Yes. And you can hear her. She does hits on the high school football scoreboard show, right? Correct. She's one of the people that calls in, you know, giving you an update on a game and things like that. Right. So Dylan, Day Day, Simone. Garrett. Uh, Garrett, right? Eric, I mean, all these, yeah. all, all these people are out in the field. And she's one of the people that calls in with the updates and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. Who does she root for in the NFL? She's a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. Okay. So, there was a picture going around (laughs) on social media. What exactly were you wearing on Super Bowl Sunday? I had a Philadelphia Eagles beanie on and a Philadelphia Eagles hood. Okay. Slow down. Okay. Philadelphia Eagles beanie on. Okay. Yes. And a Philadelphia Eagles hoodie. So you were all decked out from the waist up in Philly green. Yes. Where are you from? Here. What's the name of your show? The Hometown Take. Oh. (laughs) You should be homeward bound. (laughs) Okay. Now, I know let's hear your explanation for that. Before I take a bazooka and blow through it all, I was being Dylan. A, the floor is yours. I was being a supportive boyfriend. Period. Now, b- before you say anything, she had asked me before. She had asked me weeks ago to put on Eagles gear, and I refused. I said no because I said I do not feel comfortable putting on another team's gear. So I had that same mindset you did. But then she asked me, and I also bet that if the Philadelphia Eagles made it to the Super Bowl, that I would put on Eagles gear. So it was being a supportive boyfriend slash losing a bet. Okay. Where do you work? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Okay. What are we the flagship of? The Atlanta Falcons. Okay. So. And I also work on the Falcons Radio Network. Okay. So we're the flagship yep. of the Falcons radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that you put your Eagles gear on, and <laughs> it wasn't it, mine, by the way. It was it, Simone's, and it didn't make its it didn't make its way to social media. There wasn't any pics posted or anything like that. Like you just you kind of just told us about it that you lost the bet, right? No, there, there, there's, there's a pic. There's still a picture ah, on on social okay. media. Okay. Yeah. So you allowed her mm-hmm. to post a picture of you from the waist up in all Eagles gear, hoodie, beanie, the works, tic tac, yeah, flip flop, zip zap. Yeah, I was yep. on all those. Boob tube. Actually, views. it was only on Twitter. Yeah. I just wanted to play the drop. Yeah. So it was on Flitter. <laughs> or boob tube or tic tac. So it got posted. It did. It did. And you were proud, weren't you? I, I was not proud. I was yeah. not proud. Mm-hmm. For, for one. Okay. So, first off, uh-huh. so I have no problem with the idea of you lost a bet, you had to, you had to wear this or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
you don't post it on social media. That's there forever now. You it don't is. post it on social media. It's there forever. And what's the name of your show? The Hometown Take. Where are you from? <laughs> Georgia. Where are we? What are we the flagship of? <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and they call me a carpet bag. Mel calls me a carpet bagger. Huh? I mean... There's a difference between being a good boyfriend and allowing the shame that (laughs) has befallen you in public for the world to see to have been exposed to the world of wearing your Philadelphia Eagles gear. A lot of y'all were cooking me, too. Oh, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Now, look, if you went to an Eagles game, I could understand. If you and and I was, we did go to an Eagles bar. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I could understand if you did that because you didn't want to wear Falcons gear to an Eagles game or an Eagles bar or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you don't take pictures and have it posted on social media. (laughs) You don't do that part of it. You can you can do it all in private. You can say, "Honey, I love you," but. Okay. Uh huh. You got to man up and say, this is not going on social media. It's not going on Tic Tac. It's not going on Flitter. It's not going on InstaFace. You know, whatever. Right. It's not going on any of those platforms. This is between me and you. You can have a picture in your phone, but this is not going out for public consumption to the world. Or I'm leaving you. <laughs> It wouldn't have been that serious. It wouldn't have been that serious. It's either or. <laughs> it's not. It's either or. There's some middle ground there. No, there's not. <laughs> See, that's why you got in trouble is because you had middle ground <laughs> and you allowed all of this to happen. So, so. when she initially took the picture, <sighs> I thought she was only going to send it to her family group chat. I did not know she was going to post it until I saw it on Twitter. And at that point, I was just like, whatever. And I was, you know, I was, I didn't want to kill her vibe. You know, I was trying to let her have her day because her team was in the Super Bowl. So, you know. No, I would have killed the vibe. I, I would have. First off, I would You'd have been, been a vibe caught, killer. First off, I, I wouldn't have been caught dead in it. You know, <laughs> I, I, again, that's like, in all honesty, like, that would be like me, like, wearing Boston Red Sox gear. Like, I wouldn't be caught dead in it. Right. I don't, I don't care. I don't care how great everything else is. I wouldn't be caught dead in it. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, but you don't put the uh, you don't put that out there for public consumption. It won't it won't happen again, Chuck. Yeah, it won't well, happen again. Learn, if, I've learned my lesson. If it does, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Tanya Harding, Jeff Gululi on the back of the legs, and <laughs> and give you the pipe to the back of the legs and everything like that. All right. Uh, by the way, R.I.P. to the great Jerry Jarrett. He died earlier today. Um, I actually sent a DM to. Uh, Jeff Jarrett. I actually have Jeff Jarrett's phone number in my uh, in my phone here, and um, uh, we've talked before. But uh, R.I.P. to Jerry Jarrett, one of the great promoters in wrestling history. I reached out to his son just to just to send him prayers and thoughts and, and well wishes. All right. So tonight's top ten list: top ten best places to do a first date. Dylan, the floor is yours. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and put the world on game. So, no particular order. Yes. A botanical garden. Okay. This gives you a chance to walk around, see some things, talk about some things, give you some conversation starters. 
but it's still a good environment as a first date to get to know each other. Because as a first date, you guys should have plenty to talk about. So you shouldn't need too many conversation starters, too many icebreakers. But if it does get dry at some point, a botanical garden can give you some icebreakers and some talking points. Another one, any sporting event, especially if she's in the sports. Yeah, or if I, he's uh, in the sports, I had I had sporting event on my list as well. So look, even if you're, even if you're not a sports fan, it's true. Like an NBA game, yeah. even an NHL game is fun because right. the guys are are hit. Even like a minor league hockey game, like the yeah. Gladiators, something like that. Okay? Right. Um, you know, Falcons game can be kind of loud, but certainly, look, even if you're not a fan of baseball. A baseball game, baseball is, a game is a perfect great vibe because it's during the summertime. Yes, you know, and you can have a few drinks and great vibe. You know, it, it's a it's a it's a great atmosphere to be at. Especially here locally, you can walk around in the battery if yep. you want to beforehand. Yep. I mean, exactly. that's a that's a yep. great first date. Yep. All right, moving on. Ice skating. Now, this way, you know, if you if you had a good you know time before, you know, maybe you guys can you know hold hands a little bit and ice skate around, and maybe you know. You hold her up or hold him up if it, you know, so if that comes I, about. I did a, I did the whole category of like, like a sporting activity. Like for instance, okay, ice skating, bowling, yes, pool, um, different things like that that are not maybe some competition, like competition slash interactive. Exactly. Got yes. You. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, I I broke mine up a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's all good. Okay. Uh, one though that's not it's interactive, but it's not necessarily it is competition, but it's not like a sporting thing. A trivia night. I think it's a really good. It will be a really good first day if you all go get mm-hmm. on a team together, find a local trivia night, go to a trivia night. Yep. You guys are obviously you have plenty to talk about. You discuss some answers. You and you try to work together and win your trivia night. I think that'd now, be a really good first day. The only thing about that is. The only downside to that is, I will tell you, you don't start, um, unless you sort of know the person, uh-huh. you don't start getting neck deep into politics and religion and different things like that, which Ooh, can that's be brought true. up that's true. on trivia things and stuff like that. It's a good point. It's a good so, point. That's, yeah. the, that's the only downside to all of that. That is that is very true. That is very true. Okay. Another one. Aquarium slash zoo. Something like that would be good. Obviously, you... you you can walk around. You can still kind of go at your own pace, still get to know each other, but you still have that talking point of, oh, look at the elephants or, oh, look at the whale shark or whatever. An arcade or carnival, you know? If you're if you're the guy in this situation, you can win the girl a, a, a stuff, stuffed animal or I, something like that or, you know, do car- something like that. I think that. a carnival is a better one because, I mean, with all due respect, you're not 15. Arcades are fun. There are adult arcades. Okay. You're not 15. I went to an arcade. I, I was at an arcade yeah, as a because, college student. Because, yes, as a college student. <laughs> as a college student. It's like it's like 1920. It's still fun. <sighs> For the younger generation. For us dopey millennials, an arcade date would be nice every once in a while. Okay. You talked about all the – I'll go through these other ones quickly because you talked about them already – Tennis, pickleball, bowling, top golf, all interactive slash sporting um, events. One, though, I think that could be good if you're really, really trying to impress her. And this one is local. I don't know if this is actually a chain or not. Is Fogo de Show, 
If you got a little coin on you, is Fogo the show? Is that a chain or is that only here? I think that's a chain. Um, I ooh, I'm I would not have familiar, to look it up. I'm not familiar I'm not sure. with that, but um, because I don't know of any other ones in the area. But we can look that up another time quickly here because right. we got to get the all right. The, uh, that's my actually top ten. Two honorable mentions: a drive-in movie. It's better than a regular movie because you actually can talk to each other a little bit more than you could right, in a regular because movie. I, I didn't put movie theater on there because it's it's you, just you, too noisy. Yeah, like, it's, it's too noisy. It's dark and too noisy and stuff like you that. You can't so, talk and you really get to know yeah. each other. But if a drive-in movie, it's a little different because you can you know you can, it's a more controlled environment and a picnic too. Uh, yeah, I got a picnic on there as well because then you can bring your own booze and stuff like that. There you that's, go. That's why you do it. Sporting event uh, I had on there. Competition. A museum. Where you can, oh, where, that's you can a good one. where you can get a little bit dressed up and stuff like that. It's a good one. Not just look like a vagabond, but you can you can get dressed up a little bit. Um, mini golf, because yes, again, it's a competition, but it's a fun little activity that it doesn't matter how bad or how good you are, nobody really cares about. No, it. Um, I have done a couple of first dates at a concert before. Really, I had a first date with a girl at a at the Sting concert uh, several years That's ago. That's interesting. But it was at, and it was at Lakewood Amphitheater. I like Or that if you go to Chastain Amphitheater. Okay. Like, those are good first aid spots to go to a concert to. Um, a comedy club or a comedy show. Like, I had, I've good had a couple one. first dates there. Very like, good call. The old, um, um, oh gosh, the old Punchline. Like, I had a couple yep. first dates at, at the Punchline. I don't even know if it's there anymore. But that place in Alpharetta. Uh, right by me. That's that's right there at Highway Nine and Holcomb Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they still have a. I think still think they do comedy shows there. Good call. Um, look, if you're gonna go to dinner, okay, and 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 your date revolves around dinner, do something nice. Vines yes. in canoe. Yes. Like a a trendy kind of date spot. You know, I like Vining's in. That was always my go-to. It's an old house, but it's quaint. It's cozy. It's really good food or canoe. Like, canoe is a great spot. I've had a couple first dates at canoe. Um, or if you're going to do just go out for drinks. Now, right. like, not necessarily a nightclub. No. You know, if you're a little bit older, but like a nice restaurant with a bar. Yes. You know, like a Ray's or, you know, somewhere that's got a nice bar atmosphere to it. Right. Uh, and then um, – then the last one is just, if you want to do it simple and you don't know what this person is, just go for coffee. Just go. And by the way, there's a really nice, like, coffee shop that's over here at Atlantic Station. Um, not like Starbucks or whatever, um, you know, whatever coffee shops there are. Not a Caribou Coffee or right, anything like, like that. that. Like, there's a nice kind of pastry Really nice coffee shop over at Atlantic Station. That's a pretty cool spot. So you can meet up there, and it's not, you know, it's not just the generic Starbucks place, right. but it's a little bit nicer, and it's the environment of you can walk around Atlantic Station and do all that kind of stuff. I see you, JC, putting the fellas and the women on game. Okay, I see you. I mean, that's that's how we do it. So, all right, when we get back, D-Led, we heard from him earlier in the show. His thoughts about the Falcons offseason. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, not for the game, Odyssey.com app. Down in May. Back to more John Chuckery. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9, the game.
Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show live on this Tuesday evening as we head into NFL offseason free agency coming up. we got the Senior Bowl, or sorry, the uh, Senior Bowl has passed us. The NFL Combine coming up, draft, everything in this offseason. Such an important offseason for the Atlanta Falcons. Seems like we say that every year. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy D. Orlando Ledbetter. He, of course, is the beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering the Atlanta Falcons. AJC.com is where you catch all of his work and follow him on Twitter at AJC As always, D-Led, appreciate a few moments uh, here as we get ready to get into a busy offseason. Sure, no problem, John. Thanks for having me on the show this evening. So let's start with this. Um, If we assume, and, and I guess we assume that the Falcons would be interested in bringing Caleb McGarry back. First question is, would that be accurate? And I guess the second question would be, would they be willing to use a franchise tag on Caleb McGarry if they can't get any kind of long-term deal done? Um, I would say, uh, uh, yes, they would want to bring him back. Uh, He did enough last year to to show that he can function this offense, still had uh, issues against pass rushers, though. Uh, but, you know, they, they can play with him. Uh, uh, no, uh, that, that, that franchise tag is a little too sweet for him. Uh, I think they want him back, but they want him back at his at, at their number, not, uh, not a market uh, deal. You know, I've talked about this on the show, D-Led, that by the time they fill, you know, and we know that they have the second most amount of cap space to spend behind the Bears, Fifty-six million. Then, if you cut Marcus Mariota, it's another twelve million. But really, a lot of that money is it not going to get spent by just rounding out the roster? I mean, yes, you might have some money for a big piece or two, but you do have to kind of fill out the roster just with all of the guys that were on these one-year contracts. And you know, there'll be guys that get more money year over year. So you know, it's not like that we're going to get all of these top-tier free agents. A lot of that money's got to be spent just to round out the roster, does it not? Um, no, they got enough. They got enough to get two or three guys. Uh, you know, that's how I'm going into it. And some of those guys on the roster, they'll just say goodbye to them and move on with draft picks and other players uh, that they may deem better. Um, the only I think, you know, I got to rank as Rashawn Evans being the number one guy to keep. Uh, for them, and then it's nobody on that list that you just gotta have. Um, you know, uh, McGarry could be replaced with the eighth overall pick. You got a couple tackles uh, uh, from the Big Ten that could be sitting there at eight. Um, you know, and you can go after Payne. I'm hearing Hargrave might, uh, you know, cost you a lot, but he might break free from Philly. So you're just trying to see who's gonna break free and how you can upgrade your team. There's a, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, this wasn't like they built the, you know, the Packers in two years here, so or the, or the, you know, the Lombardi Packers or anything, or the Steel Curtain. So yeah, you're looking to improve, and uh, a lot of that's going to be on the streets. D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us on the WaitFor.com hotline. Of course, Falcons beat writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So we assume obviously that Marcus Mariota will be cut. So what do you think the plan is? for quarterback behind Desmond Ritter, signing a veteran, 
drafting a quarterback at some point. What do you think the rest of the plan behind Desmond Ritter is to do with that position? Yeah, uh, twofold. They'll draft. They'll draft somebody. Uh, you know that could. Uh, fit his skill set just to, you know, have insurance there. And I think the smart and wise thing to do would get a another veteran that could come in and, uh, you know, get you through a game if you need to. Uh, if something happens to Desmond, uh, they're definitely going to add to the quarterback room. They said that. Uh, and I expect them to, uh, you know, maybe do something later on in the draft and uh, certainly uh, be uh, active in the uh, veteran free agent market. I don't know if they go after Carr, but. We did, you know, we didn't know they were going after Deshaun Watson either last year. So we're going to stay tuned and keep our ears to the ground here. And it's going to be a very busy offseason for the Atlanta Falcons. So one of the other things too would be, you know, if if we can go get two or three big pieces, and and we assume obviously a lot of defensive line help, but you know, I really want to continue to improve this offensive line, and I look at left guard is a spot that they need a definite upgrade, you know, next to playing, you know, when, you, when you're playing next to a young center, which I'm guessing that they're going to either roll out Dolman or Hennessy at center next year. It seems like left guard is one of those places that they could use a serious upgrade. And could they possibly spend some cash there? I mean, get, get somebody of, of merit, like a Nate Davis or somebody like that to, to bring into this offensive line. Well, they um, they're of a scrap heap group. They're a scrap heap group, uh, John. Uh, as far as how you put your lines together, um, you know, um, my time with the Packers, they spent first round picks on their guys. The Mitros spent first round picks on their guys. Chicago, they piecemealed their line together. And uh, when we were talking to Coach Smith over the off season last year, we're like, "Hey, what are you doing with the line? You haven't done anything." And so they he takes it from the Redskins. That um, you know, in this time with Joe Gibbs, you don't have to spend a lot of high picks on offensive linemen. You can coach them up and get um, get uh, you know uh, get production that way. And you know what he did this year with them, uh, Coach Ledford and them kind of you know shows you which way they're going to go with that. Um, you know, you got to have a left tackle, but uh, they think they can you know create the rest of the line. So I don't think uh, you know we're going to see any money spent there. Hmm. That worked out with Jalen Mayfield, didn't it? Oh, sorry. Um, anyway, um, D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us on the WaitForIt.com hotline, Falcons beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. What do you think happens to the second cornerback spot? Do you think that they keep Casey Hayward? Do they still continue to upgrade? Do they go free agent, draft? What do you think happens with that second cornerback spot? Yeah, they like Casey. Uh, you know, they'll give him a chance to come back. Uh, you know, you, you kind of got to get Isaiah Oliver signed, too. Um, you know, you need three corners, and you don't have three corners. So, uh, yeah, you, you got to keep him and then keep uh, searching for upgrades, whether they're in the draft or in free agency. You know, they went from, uh, uh, you know, they went went to, to Casey from the kid that uh, was drafted by Washington and ended up with the Giants last year. He had played a, a thousand snaps. So, if you can upgrade, you upgrade, and uh, you got to have three you really got to have four or five corners because they're going to get hurt. And we saw what the fourth and fifth corner looked like this year, and uh, that wasn't very good. So with that, you know, there's been some guys that have been mentioned about being on the trade market at, at corner. Um, do you think that the Falcons 
would dip themselves into the trade market to upgrade somewhere? Would that be something that, you know, we don't certainly see a lot of trades in the NFL, but with the money that they have to spend and, and maybe being willing to take on a contract, you think that they could dip themselves into the trade market if they could really upgrade somewhere? Yeah, I think so. They're not going to leave, uh, uh, you know, any avenue closed. It have to be pretty clear and uh, won't have to uh, cost them a whole lot of capital. Uh, they have been, you know, really, uh, you know, stubborn about their draft picks here, uh, kind of stingy, uh, you know, although they did lose a pick with uh, Brian Edwards last year, uh, trying to upgrade the wide receiver spot. So, yeah, they're going to try to trade and, uh, you know, and, uh, and sign free agents. They're still going to do the one-year deals with some people. Uh, but, um, yeah, with this group, you got to look at all avenues, and that's where we're going to, uh, you know, uh, you know, be paying attention to this offseason. The Orlando Ledbetter, Falcons beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining us on the WadeFord.com hotline. You know, I, I've read all of the we, – we've had Arthur on the station. I've read his comments from uh, the Super Bowl and media days and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, dissecting a lot of it, where do you think Arthur Blank is right now? I mean, is it playoffs or bust for this organization, or is it still just a matter of – you know, showing improvement, getting above 500, and just letting the chips fall where they do? Or do you feel like it's a playoff or bust scenario for the coach, for the GM, or anything like that? No, I think it's very important to get to the playoffs. I don't think he's going to fire them if they don't get there. But, yeah, that's this, this season is set up for them to go to the playoffs. You know, you can sugarcoat it uh, any way you want to. Uh, the division's down. They're uh they they're appointing up. They may have a quarterback. We don't know. Philadelphia didn't know if they had a quarterback last year at this time. So yeah, if the um you hit on all those variables, you should be in the playoffs. Uh, if you don't and, and you're close, you make a lot of ground up. Then uh you know that's solid footing. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's playoffs or bust in the sense that you know he's gonna fire them if they don't get there. But, yeah, um, you got to go into this season think, ha- thinking, hey, the Falcons have to show a return to respectability. And in that regard, uh, you want to be in the playoffs and be able to compete for a championship. I mean, the Giants made the playoffs, but they weren't going anywhere. But they did lay the foundation. They got them a playoff win. Then they got dusted off and got kicked out of the playoffs. That might be, the, you know, that might be progress here in Atlanta after five seconds five consecutive years of not making the playoffs. So with regard, again, to the quarterback position, you know, the one thing that Arthur Blank wasn't really committed on, and I understand why he did this, but, you know, he didn't necessarily commit to Desmond Ritter that he's our quarterback one and and all this kind of stuff. You know, and you talked about getting a veteran. I want to see like a veteran, you know, maybe like a mid-tier guy, like a Jacoby Brissett or something that – could push Desmond Ritter for a starting job and obviously hoping that he wins out that job. But if they don't get this right, then, you know, what's the pl- I mean, what's the plan, I guess? Because, you know, a lot of this season is truthfully going to hinge on Desmond Ritter and his progress and the, the idea that he's going to be probably quarterback one going into this year. Yeah, no doubt. If they don't get it right, and they decide he's their guy, they can't improve, they don't go Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, all that stuff that doesn't happen, 
uh, you know, then if he, he's not any good, then they'll be drafting a quarterback again. John will be on the spin cycle like Tampa Bay was for years. So, um, you know, once you get the quarterback right, you, you uh, have a chance in this league. And, uh, you know, some teams get it right uh, and, and, you know, some teams don't. And a lot of these, you know, these guys, uh, you know, Kyle Smith and, uh, you know, Ryan Pace, they've been in places where they were on spin cycles with the quarterback. You know, coming from Chicago and Washington, uh, you know, so so they picked Trubisky over um, Mahomes in Chicago. So um, you know, hopefully uh, Terry got lucky in New Orleans where they got Drew Brees and they were able to ride for 15 years with the quarterback. So um, you know, collectively, them are the hierarchy uh, personnel guys. Hopefully, they can get it uh, right. You got a coaching staff that can play to his players' strengths. Um, you know, and, and that's where they're at right now. But if they 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 kind of tipped their hands last year that uh, you know going after the Watson that they're going to try to improve the team in any way they can and at all costs. Uh, but uh, yeah, if Ritter can play, they can get a um, you know spike up in his uh, play like uh, the Eagles deal with Jalen Hurts. You know, hey, then you're ready to roll. But if if it's the opposite, you're back. You're in that quarterback spin cycle mode like. Uh, the worst in football teams been for years. So, last question for you, D. Led. So, based upon that, do you, I mean we we believe that Arthur Blank was the driving force for trying to pursue Deshaun Watson. Do you think that he kind of man? I don't want to say mandates, but do you think that this is more about him? Pursuing a, a whether it's Lamar Jackson or Derek Carr or whatever like that versus what Terry and Arthur. I mean, I know that they want to upgrade and they want to be better, but is it more pressure from Arthur Blank potentially to dip his toe back into the high caliber quarterback water? Yeah, no doubt. They try to hide behind this collaborative, uh, uh, you know, decision making process talk, uh, and that they all got to be on the same page and so forth. And we know traditionally, you know, uh, uh, Green Bay was top down. Ron Wolf was the general manager. Mike Holmgren was the coach. Eventually, Holmgren got mad and left, so he went to Seattle so he could pick his own players and stuff. Uh, but the Falcons are, are trying to say everybody's all on even footing and even playing, and uh, it's a collaborative effort, and so nobody gets to take the blame when it doesn't work out. So you just throw everybody under the bus. Uh, so, you know, we, we don't really know. So uh, you just got to um, – the owner has a say. They meet with him a lot. He's informed, uh, you know, and they're trying to, you know, make a coalition and have, uh, you know, everybody at the table, kind of the, you know, maybe too many cooks in the pot type of deal. But that's how they're, ro- that's how they're rolling. And uh, uh, the owner, the GM, his assistants, the coaches, you know, everybody's on the hook. Uh, for, you know, getting the quarterback situation correct here. Follow him on his Twitter page, at AJC. He covers the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you check out all of his work. And D. Orlando Ledbetter, join me on the WadeFord.com hotline. D. Led, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes tonight. We'll talk again here soon. Sure, no problem, John. Thanks for having me. You got it. John Chuckery, we'll be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.